0: fascinating two podcasts in collision bit of a mishmash but why wasn't there an explosion one of them must have been in dematerialized form when it happened nasty could cause terrible problems
1: what are you going to do about the damage to my podcast richard i'm concerned with my podcast my co-host and 900 listeners we're fully covered comprehensive and all third-party damage so don't worry
2: I was involved in doing nothing particularly important, and you just come crashing in on me. And then you tell me not to worry. What am I going to do for a podcast? Get in
1: touch with your insurance people.
2: I insist that you sign a document to the effect
1: that this collision was entirely your fault. I can't do that. What were you doing anyway? You were right in the middle of a launch and land window for important podcasts.
2: I was given complete clearance from iTunes.
1: Gentlemen, gentlemen,
0: please. I'd say it was knock for knock, wouldn't you? What? Are you a passenger? Mm, me? Mm, absolutely not. I do some great analysis, and I can discuss all the sciencey bits. No, no. I I answered your mayday. Are we going to introduce ourselves?
1: Oh yes. Uh, my name's Paul. I hardly ever mention it, but I I write for Big Finish, and this is Richard, the owner of the other podcast involved in the uh, incident. I'm
0: Giles, and I'm the uh, Doctor Science on this podcast. So, now, why don't we try to separate the podcasts?
1: Impossible!
0: I uh, like doing the impossible.
1: If it's possible to get into the situation, theoretically, it should be possible to get out of it. You spoiled it now.
0: But, look, at the time of the collision, your podcast was partially materialised. Yes. Therefore, if we can recreate identical circumstances, the podcast could be separated. It's just a question of exciting the molecules. Richard, put your podcast on full thrust. You never know. It might just work. Hmm, I preferred it when it seemed impossible.
1: Can we switch on the wreck of the power unit? Well, we could do, but it's dangerous. Worth a try. Anything to get out of this mess. It could damage your
2: podcast. That's nice coming from someone who's just crashed into it. I'll risk it. Are you pressing the right button, the one marked Audacity? Of course I am. Here we go. Hello, hello and welcome to Something Who podcast episode 34. I'm Richard, and we're back for some pre-Christmas fun, once again, with our classic format. In this episode, we're looking at fourth Doctor story, Nightmare of Eden, followed by twelfth Doctor story, Sleep No More. And joining me once more are Paul. Good evening. And Giles. Hello. Paul, uh, you're fresh from a cross-examination on the sirens of audio, where I got the impression that they were better informed about your audio writing career than you were.
3: (laughs) Well, you know,
1: yeah, did I mention that? I haven't listened to it. I've got a feeling I said something about that. I've got a feeling I went off on some extraordinary tangent about how when I was a fan, I thought that creatives who couldn't remember their own work were the height of, height of, I can't speak. I'm not fresh from that podcast. I haven't slept in a week. I feel like I've been in a bloody Morpheus machine. Um, All right, I'll try that again. Here we go. Yeah. That's right, Richard. (laughs)
2: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and I suppose the other question is um, How are you getting on with Giles' book? Which I seem to remember you were showing us At the start of last uh, episode Uh,
1: How many stars does it cover again? (laughs) (laughs) 21
2: 21, yeah Incidentally, I've put it on my Christmas list So I'm hoping if I haven't been too naughty Santa
1: might bring it We'll see I'm still one star down, but it was very good I've decided to ration them because... (laughs) <laughs> because once, once I've once I'm out, I'm out. You know, there's no, there aren't any more stars. There's only twenty-one of them, according to Giles. Mm. So, I've, I don't want to race through it. Yeah, I don't want to race through the cosmos.
0: That's all right. Well, you've just admitted that you're working on a novel now, so that'll uh, keep you busy.
1: I've read nothing but Agatha Christie for the l- last three months, trying Ooh, to get my okay. head into the space. This is my genuine excuse. Yeah. Trying to get my head into that space for um, my attempt at a. <laughs> An old school, golden age detective murder oh, mystery book. Okay, fantastic. And Have um, you read?
0: Come tell me how you live. No, that's brilliant, Really funny. I did. I didn't. I didn't know she had it in it to be quite so funny. It's it's her biographical account of life on ah archaeology digs with with oh, right. Max Mallowan. Some ah some yes, of the, the is humor is fast.
1: It's just the occasional line is actually properly funny, and you mm-hmm. think, oh, she can do it. But she just keeps it in check most of the time Which I think is possibly one of the my- better Lessons I could learn from her mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> enough of my problems
2: so, so Giles are you going for the Stocking filler market this Christmas
0: uh, I'll fill any stockings that are going Yes
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Insert Sid James laugh Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> Very good Well I hope that Before New Year as well we might Bring you a best of 2020 episode Although we did, we did one last year, we only had about 10 episodes to choose from, and this year there have been about 30, so quite how feasible it's going to be to, to squeeze a, a, you know, a clip show out of that, I don't know, but uh, that would be a nice thing to do. And we may even at some point get our act together and bring you the delayed return of our live show. Uh, given that the first one had technical problems, and then the second time we w- weren't supposed to be broadcasting, but were. So we're hoping that it'll be th- third time lucky. we are getting it Oh, right. yes,
1: the accidental nice show. Uh, yeah. <coughs> Could you just Any... check that we're not broadcasting this one? Absolutely. Really try... <laughs> no, no, no,
2: it's definitely not happening. Uh, anyway, on with the show. So uh, we're going to we'll kick off, I, I guess, as, as we usually do with, with original series one. So Nightmare of Eden, written by Bob Baker. Directed mm. by Alan Bromley uh, from season seventeen, and uh, as you revealed last
1: time, Paul, yes, from you know one of your favourite eras of the show. It is. I'm I'm going to qualify that statement slightly. Sorry, everybody. Right. I feel like I do. I never do anything other than talking about season seventeen or eighteen or both or neither. In fact, those four options pretty much cover it. <laughs> so it, was the, it was the first three that I was that I was particularly thinking of. Um, yeah. I'm going to qualify it because Nightmare of Eden is one of that small, ever-diminishing subset of stories which I haven't seen since broadcast. It's your turn for that. It was only a few years <laughs> ago that I uh, saw the last of the stories that I'd never seen, right. which was a Pertwee, and now I've which one it was. Great anecdote. Mm. I time have been that time monster for me. Yeah, it's always one like that, isn't it? Mm. I think for a lot of people, part of the problem was that uh, they people of the VHS generation because they left all the inverted commas rubbish till the end you know you had quite a high chance statistically of ending on one that was genuinely not very mm. good I know mm. we, won't get in, we won't get into quibbles over one man's trash is another man's treasure but uh, yeah, the, well, I'm now. I was down to two, and now, thanks to your the random Richardometer, I'm down to one. But I'm not going to tell <laughs> you what the other, what the one remaining story okay. I haven't seen since the broadcast is. Although obviously a bit of workout, it must be after nineteen seventy something. So yeah, I've been banging on about how much I like season seventeen for a long time. But uh, <laughs> there was a point at which I was telling everybody this, and there were still several stories in it that I hadn't seen since I was eight. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and I wonder if that's part of the part of it hmm. I've read the books and I, and I, I was aware of the storylines and I thought that was enough to convince me that Douglas Adams had put together a very nice season of um higher than average high concept science fiction stories but leavened with family-friendly wit and verve and it's generally the sort of thing that would encourage 16 million people to tune in, even with the advantage of there being no ITV for mm. great long stretches <laughs> of this season. Of course, not everybody loves season 17. It's had a bad reputation since the time. And I've often written that off as a function of the fact that the people who were telling us it was rubbish were people who were of a certain age. People who were half a generation ahead of me when they watched it. I was a kid and I loved it. I was just at the age where I couldn't see the metaphorical wobbly sets or the things that were... I couldn't see the production problems. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily have cared if the scripts were good or bad. I just wanted something visceral and thrilling, which it was. I was right on the cusp of going into season 18 thinking, this is a bit flat. Mm. The fans who are half a generation ahead of me thought the opposite. Not only could they see everything that had fallen down in the production of this season but they could see actors not taking it entirely seriously. They could see. They thought they could see writers not taking it entirely seriously. It was everything they didn't want to see at that mm. sort of rather self-conscious age. And I think, it's not that I didn't believe that there was any merit in these arguments, but I kind of spent decades minimising them, thinking that fundamentally, I'm right and they're wrong. No, hang on. <laughs> that was supposed to be self-deprecating. The... <laughs> the point i'm coming round to is that nightmare on eden has brought me closer to to seeing that point of view mm. i think now that i've finally got seen the full set this is the one which tested my patience even though i think the bedrock is a very fine story yeah mm. it's lovely ideas nicely plotted it's got lots of things going on at there's lots of levels to it it's mm. not just it's not just one linear runaround which means that there's not a necessity for padding. I'm not saying there's no padding, you know, that every single minute is, is a gem, but um, it does keep eking out the story through all four episodes, which is what we want. So where does it fall down? Um, again, another perspective that I hadn't always entirely agreed with was the idea that Tom Baker was part of the problem, that his acting was letting down the character of the Doctor himself and possibly infecting... The, Guest, guest artists, but here, I come close to thinking that perhaps there is something in that, and it makes me wonder. I will shut up in a minute. It makes me wonder why it comes <laughs> and goes throughout this season. I mean, some people think they're all the way through, but I, I haven't. I don't think it's a problem in City of Death. I think Michael Hayes clearly keeps a t- tight rein on him. Um, I don't think he. There are many moments in Sharda, What we've got of that. So, uh, dependent Roberts, he must have. Mm. But horns naimon, he seems to be allowed off the leash and, yeah. and here again, so I'm wondering if it's a combination of a a script that didn't fire the imaginations of all the actors, which encouraged them to try and build build their parts up a bit, and mm. a director that wasn't strong enough or even possibly there <laughs> <laughs> to rein them in that's That's what I think so far hmm
2: okay. Follow that.
0: Um, (laughs) uh, I don't have any thoughts that are nearly as well-developed or fully formed as balls there. I first, yeah, I would have been at the same, pretty similar age in terms of watching watching it and enjoying it. I don't have terribly strong memories of it, except for the mandrels and running around on, on the ship. I have seen it probably once otherwise since transmission when it came out on DVD Mm. a few years ago, and I did watch it then. And, yeah, I I must have read the novelisation, because I think I read all of them. And I have strong memories of issue 18, I believe it was of two weekly, Mm -hmm. rampaging mandrels on the cover.
1: I think I've got um, that one. Mm. (laughs) I didn't get it every week, but that's one. Yeah, that might Mm. be another reason I had fond memories of it. Sorry. Mm.
0: But, yeah... I would say, yeah, my my gut reaction was I actually enjoyed it this time a lot more than I did watching watch it on DVD the first time, and I I found there was there was quite a lot in it. It was um, it was more than yeah, it was it was better than I expected it to be, and more enjoyable than I expected it to be. Having said which, you can absolutely see the the production issues. And yeah, I take I take Paul's point with regard to Tom somewhat um, running away with things a bit potentially. That yeah, you can see yeah, you can see it, it came at the end of a or towards the end of a season where they had exceptionally uh, great budget difficulties, didn't it?
1: Hmm. And, um... Is this the one where that came to a head? Do we know for a fact this is where where it came to a head? Because <clears throat> I... Sharda... Mm. It's, it's impossible to be sure that the budget would have been satisfactory because they didn't finish it. But is there a feeling that perhaps they were keeping some money back for Sharda because they knew it was going to be expensive, and this was the one where they suffered as a result? Or, or was that Naimon? Hall, I not on a
2: thought. But
0: I was going to yeah. say, what was the? Did they produce them in?
2: I honestly don't know. Did they produce them in the same? Uh, they're in reverse order for the, for some. Hmm. That's so. At, so, actually, so actually, Creature from the Pit, I think, was first, was it? And mm. then And anyway, I think the first three were in reverse order, but, but I think Nightmare was fourth. Right. But I could be getting that in time. And then
0: well. Naimon and then Nimon was was filmed afterwards. Yeah. Was I yeah. Because you can clearly see I don't know the the only thing I picked up on specifically from was the fact that they they obviously they shot all of the spaceship stuff and so on on, on video mm. in studio. But on the other hand it's it kind of lent itself to it was somewhat beneficial to them actually using video effects. I think that's probably that was deliberate because spaceship they had to. merger. I believe it was. A, I believe they had schedules... I'm only basing this on my cursory glance at the production notes as I was going along, uh, and the production subtitles. I believe they did have some allocated film studio days right. for model work on it, and they elected to ditch them.
1: That's interesting. They would have had to transfer. Because the main thing is, you've got two spaceships in the same mm-hmm. shot um, of different scales. They would have had to transfer all the film to to video to then apply mm-hmm. the CSO. I'm not sure they very rarely did that, did they? Because that makes things maybe like that a lot, was a cost saving thing
2: mm-hmm. that um, stopped them from doing it.
3: Mm.
2: Mm. I, I, I was on a I was, I've been on a funny t- trajectory with this story myself because I didn't see it when it first went out, and then I did read the Target book about, I don't know, 1981 or 2 or something like that. And then I eventually saw it, and I thought it was relatively recently, but when I thought about it, 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 I certainly never bought it, so I suppose it must have been a video off UK Gold, so it's probably getting on for 15 years ago that I saw it. Mm -hmm. And I was quite impressed with it, And and I think, I mean, essentially, because I thought that Season 17 was tripe, and then i found i came across a story that actually seemed to me to have lots of of depth to to the sort of you know the, the the plot and the and the storytelling and some of the some of the ideas behind it thinking that it was going to be terrible i thought oh this is actually quite decent and then this time because i enjoyed it so much the last time <laughs> i saw it i thought oh you know the, the episode 1 i think of this is it's it's still good, and then I think it, it's a, it's a sort of difficult trajectory after that, because you know it, it sort of struggles to maintain things. Uh, as, with regard to Tom, I don't know. I thought he was more egregious in some parts of uh, the last one we watched, the um, androids of Tara. I mean, it, you yes. know, c- certainly there are, you know, there are aspects of his performance, and also Louis Fiander. I mean, you know, people t- talk about his. Silly portrayal of of Trist, but I mean, it it is a kind of it's a silly accent, but on the other hand, it is mm. relentlessly the same silly accent all the way through. I mean, he's, yeah, he's not chewing think the scenery in the yes, same it does, way it that Graham is. I think I that's like what
1: sa- I think that's what saves it. And mm. it, and really, I was thinking it's not that different to, for example, Professor Marius, yes. Marius yes. from *Invisible yes. Enemy*. Yeah, true. Yeah, well, mm. Nobody can argue that. Uh, now, for- now, I've forgotten his name. Freddie Yeager. Yeager yeah, Freddie mm-hmm. Freddie Jaeger isn't a proper actor, and he was happy to put on a, a comedy mad scientist. <laughs> one, yeah. So, yeah, why shouldn't Lewis... He reminded me nothing so much of um, late
2: period Peter Sellers, actually, with that with his performance. I mean, oh, good I, I, points.
0: I, I, yes, I mean yeah. I'm not
1: saying that necessarily had the, that talent, but just just the kind of the the, the nature of the performance. Hmm. I think what we spot, what we see in these, the reason I was talking about it possibly spreading from the leading man downwards. And and I, I probably sounded too harsh at the beginning, because. But then again, you know, I I was gave Tom far too glowing praise last <laughs> time. What a suck up. <laughs> but we talked about the little bits, moments in Android and Sarah. and we see it in every story. A particular actor where he, that he clicks with in a particular moments, and they work up a bit of business. Hmm. Tom's performance has many dimensions, but fundamentally, yeah. he's got the same. It's him that's the same week on week, and the guest actors can choose to do their thing, or they can choose to bend their thing performance to fitting with Tom, and some of them do. And I can mm. imagine, I can imagine Louis Fianda having, <laughs> having decided on that course because he's going to be spending a lot of time having conversations with Tom. You can see that they've they've worked on this, mm. and then you can see other actors who are resolutely now. Who who's the chap who plays the, um, the captain of the other ship, the smaller ship? Who turns out to be oh, in on it. Jeffrey,
0: not Jeffrey not Hinsliff, the other,
1: Jeff, there's the other Jeffrey. There's two Jeffreys okay. in them, aren't there? Jeffrey Palmer? Uh, no, Jeffrey, no sadly. Jeffrey not. Hayes. Uh Jeffrey Bateman. Oh my god. Well he's playing it very straight, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. And, and I think that's possibly part of the problem that there are a lot of different styles going on here. Mm. Mm. It's not unique in the annals of Dogs of Who or television mm. or drama. Why do I always have to put everything in a sort of <laughs> three thousand year timeline? Anyway, um, <laughs> it's very tricky. How do you qualify how do you, everything? Yeah, but how do you stand up against
0: Tom? Yeah, and people who play it straight tend to suffer in comparison to someone who finds the, a way yeah. of matching it. Except for possibly, you look at Tara again, and you know you've got um, Peter Jeffrey who kind of yeah. he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to ham it up. He is he he gives a Peter Jeffrey performance.
1: Well, quite. That is the but sort of tone that we want. It, on... yeah.
0: Yeah, for the, for mm.
1: this sort of material, that's what we want. And mm. what I was going to mention is you see, people think people who hate season 17 with a passion think that everybody involved was deliberately buggering it up just to annoy them. <laughs> but, <not. laughs> but they weren't all singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, mm. Anthony Reid yeah. has said about Horns and it that it t- the final product was sillier than the had intended from the script and I think you can tell that people see a little and um and Douglas Adams has has spoken about the whole the season as a whole I'm going to paraphrase him but he said something about if there's a little bit of comedy in a script sometimes actors will get hold of it and use it as an excuse to be silly Mm -hmm. and spoil it all Mm. and I think that is what happens when it goes wrong yeah because I mean, you know, if if I said that, that would sound very rude for me to um, impugn these actors. But Douglas Adams said it. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know who he's thinking of. Maybe he and uh, Anthony Reid were thinking of Graham Crowden. Mm, I think it's um, a heroic performance in Graham (laughs) Crown's in Horns and Nymon. But, for example, people being silly... He should have got his mate um, Graham Chapman to come on set
2: and start doing his Colonel um, or whatever it was. You know, it's all gone silly. <laughs> it started out as a nice sensible sketch about um, mm. whatever. Sorry, go on.
1: Frogs. <laughs> I think sometimes in the writing, and it's not—I don't know how if it's partic- uh, particularly uh, applicable to this story because there's more actual comedy in uh, Naimon, Creat- Creature in the Pits than there is here, mm. to be honest. Mm. I had a theory about this earlier. You see, it was the other night when I was trying to get to sleep and I worked Mm. it out. I was trying to work out why it is that some stories in this season work so much better. Like Almost everybody loves City of Death, except Mm. Gary Russell. Why does that work? And that's the biggest, that's the straightest comedy of the whole run. Mm. But then maybe that's it. If you flip it, if it's a proper comedy written with wit and style, the humour comes from the characters saying witty lines mm. Mm. so it's not like a straight story with a funny character in it mm. yeah if everybody if everything is written up to the same tone city of death all the ac- and the characters feel three-dimensional but they also get to be witty and exchange banter with each other the humor is in a context and the actors can understand that they can get hold of it and they'll give it their best work mm. if an actor comes into a, a relatively straight science fiction piece mm. and they don't understand the science fiction they've got they're not engaged by it but their character looks like the comic relief. Then the temptation is to seize hold of that and overplay it, because mm. that's something familiar, something they can understand. So I think possibly that's possibly that's what Douglas Adams was thinking of. I just don't know which story that would apply to. Mm. Mm. This I think is this is well written, and I don't. I'm trying to work out why it doesn't. Mm. In which areas the production fails? I think mm. it's mo- it's a sli- slightly uneven acting tone. Several of the minor actors are very. Yes very wet I think that's the problem they have any any substance mm. their performances at all David Dacre holds it all together for me and it and it Mm. falls apart when he's gone hmm yeah I think
0: that that's the thing there's there's a handful of good ones but it is the same issue as with Naimon that Mm. you do have a bunch of fairly stock actors doing something quite flat and and just yeah fairly straightforward and then and then you have a couple of people who are gra- grabbing it by the scruff of the neck and yep. trying to do something i, I don't find tri- I don't find Lewis fiander as trist I don't find him as incongruous as um Graham Crowden. Mm. <laughs> and yeah god, god love Graham Crowden though and you know but it does feel like you do you do have these these stories in bits you have a, you know you have a bunch of kind of somewhat interchangeable mm. actors in the background. It is um, those two
2: eejits in the last episode isn't it, it Who sort of I mean basic i don't know if i don't know if the issue is they can't afford David Dacre so they shoot him in the at the end of the third episode so they don't have to pay for a fourth <laughs> but 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 you, they have two characters who seem to take more or less his place yeah. at which point mm. it, the, the wheel seem to come off equally della disappears entirely here in episode three mm. and then he turns so it, feel, it feels like they're they're sort of, you know, save cutting costs by only having actors turning up in, in a few of the episodes here and there. I'm glad mm. you
1: picked up on that as well, because that's exactly what I was going to say. I think you can, if you want to, moan about the monsters, though you shouldn't because they're fantastic. Yeah. You can moan about mm. the sets and the lighting, what have you. But I think it's the lack of conviction in the acting that um, makes this one mm. fall fall apart, ultimately. And maybe, you know, to come back to another of my favourite comparisons, when you look back at the hinge era... In, there are stories that are must, much less ambitious than this mm. where you wouldn't necessarily say the characters are any more three-dimensional but somehow mm. they managed. to... So I'm now sort of craving the sort of st- stolid I'd, I wouldn't give for Apprentice Hancock in this <laughs> is what I'm basically saying. The sort of performance that you would overlook in the early, in a few years ago mm. and think well yeah. that was a boring performance but at least it was solid and that's what you want here I think. The mm. thing about David Dacre that, uh, so when I said I like the the writing i have got one or two issues and, I, and that's structurally i think that's a problem the <laughs> the stru- thing i couldn't understand is i felt very sorry for the captain the, the captain whatever his name was yes because he gets mm. um he gets his drink spiked yes spends an episode mm. going through the the various stages of wrax so mm. addiction which we've already had outlined <laughs> mm. uh, a bit like that Whatever of that comedy death in Blackadder <laughs> yes, was. Yes, um, <laughs> yes. Well, Which, just you know, like gives, him, which gives David Dacre an excuse to... David Dacre's already given, given us the best, the most centred performance, but now he gets a yeah. chance to show his range. He does all mm-hmm. this. But no, nobody, from the character point of view, nobody spots that he's behaving oddly. They just mm-hmm. keep giving him the side eye, but nobody looks into it. Nobody seems to care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, ultimately, he gets shot, and nobody mentions him again. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really felt sorry for the character, and also <laughs> it, sorry for the, for myself because it ruins the story. Yeah. Mm. And he and his part gets taken over by Jeff by Don Brennan from Coronation Street. Hmm. This when he turns up as what I assume is supposed to be a comedy, a couple of comedy guards double act. <laughs> but um, it's completely officers, yeah. Co- impossible. Yeah. Com- Customer. Mm. Yeah, is that what they are? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they're. At, that part of the story never. Took and never came alive for me. Well, I they're very bloodthirsty,
0: really... and they, they they seem to they seem to think that's mm. just part of the yeah, job. Yeah, no, that's why I thought they were to, police. Uh,
1: You're right; they're, they're they're customs officers with powers of a paramilitary yeah. force for some reason. Yes, some exactly, and it's it,
0: drop, it drops it drops that that's a bit. It, we could do with a bit of development there of why exactly that's. Yeah,
1: and the, and you know he's pretty awful. He feels like the most villainous character in the piece. And yeah. yet, then, with a sudden mm. switch, when he's understands the truth finally, he's, he's supposed to become a good guy. Yeah. Mm. And that doesn't work in the writing, and it certainly doesn't work in the playing. I have no, I don't know what Don Brennan thinks he's doing, but he clearly, I, to me, I don't think he understands the character yeah. and is just trying to make it funny. So that would come under the category of people making it silly and spoiling it. But to be honest, really, I'm not quite. Mm. Sure, I'm not sure there was much there to spoil. But yeah, mm. yeah all this contributes to a feeling of. Oh, hang on! Where's it going now in the mm. lat in the second mm. half of the story? He's quite flat,
0: me. whereas whereas in Image of the Fendal, doesn't he play? Doesn't he play Sam Tyler? Good lord, I Spre- forgot he was in
1: that. Yeah, he was great in that, and wasn't he's he? great in that exactly. And of course, he was good as Dan which is why yeah. I'm calling him that. Because I, if I was mm. just, I wouldn't make an allusion to a soap opera part as a mm. slight. I was just being facetious. Mm. Mm. I always yeah, think of him no. I, whenever I see him. I think of Brass, Brass. Mm. Sorry. <laughs>
3: if, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you know he's a heroic actor? He spent the last he spent more than half his time in Connect Street limping because the character had lost a leg. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> but normally when you give a character some sort of life changing injury like that, it's as a prelude to them leaving the program. But he just mm. hung on and hung on, so he had to yeah. keep up this bloody limp for year after year after <laughs> year. Happy they, they, days. They are very sort of fourth on the
2: bill. Comedy double act that 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 too, and when, when they come along, which is, mm. as you say, it's just very laboured. It's also a remarkably large cast for a, for a show that's running out of money. I mean, <laughs> there's, mm. there's some there's some splendid rhubarbing with the extras in in episode one. Yes, yeah, and and there's you know there's they get quite a lot of play throughout the show here and there when they are you know, even at the end when they're getting eaten by mandrels or whatever's mm. happening. But yeah, it, it 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 as I say, it's it's a remarkably large cast, except for when it isn't, when people get shot or disappear for an episode. Hmm. If you're short of money, you certainly could have got rid of two or three of those people and, and yeah. you know, maybe focused it on something else instead.
0: It's interesting from a writing point of view because this is Bob Baker on his own. Yeah. Yes. Is this the only Bob Baker on his own story that we get? Yeah. Before well, apart from and...
1: uh, apart from the Adventures of K9 in Australia, yeah. but uh... oh yes, yeah. <laughs> That's but it's kind
0: of um, but it's obviously, it puts us, you know, it's funny because at first I was thinking, OK, all the funny stuff must be coming from, must be Douglas Adams' influence if there's any wit in it. And I was thinking, well, hang on, no, this is the guy that came up with, you know, that wrote Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. yeah. You know, OK, <laughs> somewhat later, but on his own. And, you know, so not he's not, <laughs> not without his um his talent for humour, is he?
1: I was trying to get to grips with, with what's changed with what Dave Martin must have brought to the partnership, how this feels different from the... Because we've had a lot of examples of them writing together, haven't we? Yeah. Almost mm. every season. They've hardly missed it yeah. since 71. Uh, but mm. I can't... It, it feels slightly different, but I can't quite put my finger on it. A little bit more satirical? I don't know. It feels like... They're... Yes. it's They've never... Re- is there much satire in any There's little bits, things that are supposed to be satirical, like, I don't know, you know, go way, all the way back to Axos Chin, the civil servant, yeah. I suppose is supposed mm. to be satirical. But I don't know if they've ever, ever done the entire story. I suppose they try and bring out the militarism of the Sontarans and Sontaran experiment, but that's not an original idea. Mm. I can't really think of. So it seems more conceptual, more high. Mm. But then, co- you know, that might. There's, there's bigger and clearer, high-concept science fiction ideas in this mm. season than there are in 18. Yes, there are some mm. very big high-concept ideas in 18, like the <laughs> universe, but it is not in any way, despite what Christopher Hamilton, Beardman, will try to tell us, <laughs> it is not the return of science to Doctor Who to replace the magic and whimsy of the previous year. Mm. If he said no, that, if he, mm. I can't believe, he either didn't see season 17 or he just saw a few minutes of it. I mm. mean, it, I almost could see why. After this one, maybe I was in the wrong mood when I watched it, what Nathan Turner and Beardman thought, why they thought things needed to change, why they wanted to take all the jokes out of the Doctor's dialogue so that Tom didn't have any opportunity to, to enjoy himself. Of course, they went far mm. too far and turned it in a, into a programme where you know the average man in the street, the average family wouldn't sit down and watch mm. out of preference or just by if they were flicking through the channels. They would stick well, with Bob uh, Rogers instead. I mean, it's still very, it's still pretty popular, isn't
2: it? I mean, I, I, I admittedly with with ITV not on air, so probably that's oh, th- yeah, it's probably not that popular. But yeah, I, I, I suppose Dave Martin. What did he bring to it? He probably brought the fact that there was at least one other person looking at the script before it got <laughs> to Anthony Reid, and, and and maybe mm-hmm. maybe Bob Baker just ran out of steam in episodes three and four, and that's why it's it's you know and he could have could have used somebody who might just have helped to. Um, finesse the, the the thing through its final stages.
1: I mean, I don't know how original these ideas are because I, my science fiction knowledge, is not as expansive as it should be. The whole idea of two ships coming out of hyperspace and merging hmm. is hmm. a nice big yeah. smashing idea. Has that been done in science hmm. fiction before? Anywhere do we know? Oh, are they ripping off anything in particular?
0: It sounds like a very golden age kind of idea to mm. me, but I, I couldn't.
1: I suppose. There's a slight lack of clarity in how that contributes to the plight they're in. If the monsters were living in some sort of weird interdimensional grey area between the two ships, then that would make sense. Mm. Mm. But the monsters are in a machine that's on one of the ships, and it's said that the machine has gone awry, its workings have gone awry because of the dimensional flux. So it's a slight fudge for me, that that mixing. They
2: don't make as much of it as I think they could have done. That, hmm. you know, there could have been some interesting stuff happening in those fringe areas or something. And you, I mean, you get that briefly, I suppose. Tom is one in one ship suddenly finds himself in the other. K nine fiddles hmm. around in the, a bit in it, but it, it they don't make it as I say as much as they could have
1: done. Is there any explanation for how the monsters get in? Because when we first see them, they're coming through the walls near the uh, interdimensional. Juncture, aren't well, they? He, at some point he says that they can get out of the um,
2: set machine any in, mm. anywhere they want. Oh, yeah. And in fact, they do at some point, don't they? Go. He goes out the back passage and ends up near to the engine room or something. So, so I suppose mm. it must have well, that, been that or something. I remember. Well, that could have been they did come,
1: they okay, do I'll come take out it back. through the thing. I'll, take, <laughs> I'll mm. take it all back. It's rubbish. But the general idea... <laughs> I do, I mean, it, it also, uh, the basic idea is a, a retread of Carnival of Monsters, isn't it? Which, uh, in itself, I don't know if that was yes, uh, completely yes. original to Robert Holmes' yeah. sort of imagination. Mm, I, man- yeah. I think it probably is. He's taking a flea circus and putting it putting it in space. Mm. So we've just mm. got a different viewpoint on it. As I said, Carnival is a sort of flea circus. You look down into it, and they all are they're, they're miniaturised. This... Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's in the script, we end up with a proscenium march. We end up looking through it's like mm. a slideshow projected on the wall. It's so like a cross between a slideshow and a theatre show where you can, you can step into mm. the slides. I like all that. I, I don't know if it's original, but mm. it's big and bold and clear. And it's the box of delights as well, isn't it? That oh. is a oh, good point. It yes. feels like strong, hard science fiction, but it's mm. also fantastical in a way that. People can understand with if you take the techno babble out, yeah, hmm. it still makes sense to people, and that's what how I think it should be done. Unlike the bloody leisure hive, hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, it's three things in one, isn't it? Because
2: it's you know, it's it's drugs, so so, so there's one idea, it's it's the zoos are bad, and also <laughs> I suppose that kind of you know, stepping into another world, so maybe that's two things in itself, and then. It, it's also got these these two ships colliding so i mean in a way it's got enough for four
1: stories there yeah all, all mixed together well you know on paul's ideometer, which is the algorithm i use to determine whether the the disparate ideas that make up a Doctor Who story blend well mm. or if they've mm. just been smushed together and failed to adhere i i think this one scores highly i think mm. they all they will adhere on a on a mm. structural level and a uh, and a thematic level. Mm. All right. So
2: essentially, what you're saying is that this is a story about two ships that collide, where four ideas have collided, and kind of spread, <laughs> but it's, kind of, it's kind of gone all right.
1: <laughs> yes. That we're not. There's so many stories where, where we're the audience are stuck in that nightmare interstitial zone with the ideas the disparate ideas are buzzing around our well, heads but failing yes. to join and failing to make any sense. Yeah. And um you know if you want an if you want an example, just hang around, dear listener.
0: <laughs> I did have that moment at the end of episode four where Della says the nightmare is over. Going, <laughs> like on family Guy she's saying the title, she's saying the title. <laughs> 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 and, uh, yeah. I did like the fact that they, you know, it's it gets going at a hell of a leg, mm. which is a, which is something that cannot be said for quite a lot of stories in this season and the next, where you spend forever in the TARDIS. Oh, um, that's at true. At the starts with various, the TARDIS mm. gets stuck at a time bump, of some sort. Whereas this was, I was kind of looking at my watch, coming up on the end of the first episode, not out of impatience, but just out of, hang on, hasn't it ended yet? Because they they just keep were throwing more yeah. and more events yes. at things. When I mean, you've had the doc, the doctor's been shot by the mysterious intruder. Oh, yes. You've had the collision. You've had everything. It just keep, keeps on going. You've had all the stuff with Vig and the the insurance stuff and so on and so forth. It's got yeah, it's got verve to it, I
1: think. In those so, first couple of episodes, especially. Can we talk about the production problems a bit? Because. Mm. Um, to skirt back around to the, the rather nebulous feeling of it not being quite, not quite firing, which I can't quite put my finger on any particular you know department element aspect of the story which is which is letting it down. Mm. But the director, does he have a nervous breakdown and clear off and get replaced by Graham Williams? Is that this story?
0: Apparently, he has had a massive stand-up there with Tom. Right. And and then cleared off and was, and I think it may it may have been the last thing he directed or, or not. I mean, well, he obviously didn't come back to who. I
1: was thinking about the directors of this season because um, some of them seem to cope. We, we I was picking up Michael Hayes. We all were, weren't we, last yeah. time with mm. Andrew Tatara, and he comes back and seems to give some very strong leadership on City of death, or at least support of mm. mm. what they're after. And opinions differ on Ken Greave on Destiny of Daleks mm. and uh, oh.
2: Chris Barry. I, 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 mean, I mean, Chris Barry. Obviously, obviously, he got one thing wrong, and everything else sort of, you know, fell apart after that. There are two. Yeah,
1: exactly. There are three newish directors, uh, Williams era directors, and two brought back from the olden days. And Chris yeah. and the two directors from the olden days, the ones that have the trouble. Mm. Chris Barry. Something is happened you know, so he's his least happy production, isn't it? Mm. And uh, as you say, that big problem. With the impracticality of the monster seems to spoil the entire experience for him. And here, Alan, Br- <laughs> whatever it was that, that Alan Brom has changed for Alan Bromley since th- has he done one since the Time Warrior? Or no, I don't is that, think is so. Technically, <laughs> of
0: course, he cast David Dacre there as well, didn't he? Yes, yeah. Um,
3: ah,
1: yes. Hmm. Do we know where, at what point Graham Williams takes over? Because um, you can't really tell him in the same way that you can't. Oddly I'm not enough, sure. you can't really tell when Barry Letts mm. replaces. Douglas Canfield on
0: Inferno. It was du- it was during the second block apparently. So I think it was it was pretty much when he took over for post production and, or just just put a bow on it really. Mm. Apparently, mm. from what I was reading, apparently apparently Bromley wanted to, initially planned to, record everything in more or less in sto- story order. Right. Which was the way things were done, and I believe this had a. Had longer studio sessions because it didn't have any location filming obviously mm-hmm. or any, yeah. any location work, and then they had to they switched that round, and he wasn't generally happy but apparently it apparently it came down to him he was laying the law down to the actors about their performances and that got, <laughs> and that got tom's mm. that got tom's back up
1: so he'd cast these people yeah the the good mm. and the bad. And then yeah. seemed to be incapable of getting the performances out of them that, that he wanted.
0: But well, yeah. From, from, what, uh, I read, from what I from what I'm reading, it seems like he was he was being fairly dictatorial about how how the performances worked. You know, or so what, this, they, what they were doing. In this, doing, not in this they, era,
1: when Tom, when directors try to control Tom, he mm. has, is having none of it. And yeah. somehow, what on earth do they do in the next year to mm. finally break his? Do they just break his spirit so he doesn't care anymore? I don't quite see how Lovett Bickford and you know a complete newcomer like him, who's mm. much more concerned with the camera angles, has got the strength of personality to dominate Tom. So somebody's, somebody's um, done something, mm. but that's a question for another day. Let's yes. do that when we get to Leisure Hive or not. Mm. We should make a note of it so we yeah, don't yeah. let me talk. Was about it, it no? Because
0: Tom hadn't had had his illness in between. Right. It, no, he, it he was he was also. ill. He was ill later, during Meglos
1: or something, wasn't he? Mm. Did anyone think I that think... Romana was slightly oddly written in this one?
2: Yeah, she was well. She's she's got a very nebulous part, a bit wet, really. Very yeah, from, from And you know. the doc,
1: the doctor keeps bossing her around as well. Yeah, it's like, mm. it's as though Bob Baker is writing for a generic companion. Yes. Mm. of the old school, and yeah. nobody's yeah. had time to rewrite, to even tell him <laughs> what he should be doing. Let alone rewrite it. Mm. Which is odd because
2: if it's not long that long since Armageddon Factor, you'd have thought that they'd know what Romana did.
1: You would. Hmm. That's what um, i thought.
2: Unless he just pulled it off the pile. It was one that, that they wrote back in. Or he, he. You know, I don't know, something from the earlier 70s that he's hmm. dusted off and had another crack at.
1: So, about the drug aspect, why isn't that the sort of controversial topic you couldn't do in Doctor Who, like religion and other untackleables?
2: It feels quite it... daring in episode one. Hmm. You know, it, it does feel like they've, they've gone for something that's a bit more kind of shoestring or something. You know, it's not, it, it feels. Slightly yeah. odd, and then after that,
1: because it's not just it's not just space drugs. It's not just like they're using the term. They're saying, "Oh, it's drugs." This is what mm. they're smuggling. They're smuggling drugs, but they don't go into any detail about what that means. They show mm. you the effects mm. on the individuals, don't they? Yes, yeah. which is, Hmm. I'm sure you. Am I right in thinking you wouldn't be allowed to do that now, or am I just? Uh, it feels just like RTD <laughs> would sort of would, 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 at a would cloud. have shied
2: away from it. I it's hard to know which, tip Schiphol.
1: So. To bring, come back to the Doctor and indeed Tom Baker, um, I think one of his best moments in the entire story is the very end when Trist is trying to justify himself to him. Mm. Tell him, mm. Doctor, tell him. I, I, <laughs> I'm not just a filthy drug smuggler, I was doing it for noble reasons. I needed the money to continue my research. Mm. Go away. Mm. That's a nice little bit of writing. Mm-hmm. And he, yes, uh, yeah. And, and it, Tom recognises it, of course. Mm. So that's justly lauded. There's, but, um, you know, justly unlauded. I, mentioned, I meant to say it's under production problems. There are quite a lot more mistakes that make it to screen. There are people st- <laughs> people tripping over their lines like I'm doing now. Mm. And there's even the infamous, I say it, it may not be infamous, I've, I was looking out for it because I remember in a particularly scathing review of this story that I read once one time, it must have been DWB, somebody pointed this out. <laughs> it's it's gone of history, but like the infamous contemporary re, contemporary review of *Horns and Nymon which fixates on the moment when somebody's trousers split, mm. and, <laughs> and it, the same thing here is the moment where Don Brennan, Jeffrey Insliff, playing, he's playing Fisk, right? Is he? And Fisk? he turns to yeah. he turns mm. to Trist and calls him Fisk, mm. and that's stayed in there. Now, because the the, the story is awash with silly names, I guess. Ninety nine percent of viewers don't spot that. But neither did any of the other actors or the director or anybody. Hmm. That shouldn't get through. That's um, No That's weird. We well, got just Fisk and Vig. Mm. I yeah. I think I yeah. think the captain's I don't, Vig. I don't blame I him, but why on earth didn't a floor manager say, mm. hang on, hang on, loves Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Do- uh, sorry Jeff. Um your yeah. your Fisk, I can I know that's a lad of silly names, love, but uh, that feels like well,
2: it <laughs> should be three minutes to ten, maybe. Yeah. Just get the damn thing done.
0: Yeah, bless Douglas, well, but they, that feels that feels like the kind of thing that should have been caught by the um, script editor and just just said, well, let's let's have one of these names right. be something a bit different.
1: I mean, bring back Bill Hartnell. He would have at least acknowledged <laughs> it. Fisk or Trist, I should say. <laughs> mm. <Yes. laughs> uh, I should think. Mm. Oh. <laughs> or you need mm. Groucho Marx there, like that bit which in Animal Crackers, where they actually keep in mm. an outtake in the film, which must be almost unique in cinema history. Okay. when one of the other characters gets confused about his name mm. and he just corrects him. Oh dear. <laughs> what? I'm Colonel. Uh, you're Colonel. <laughs> you're the Colonel. Mm. Everyone go and watch. And I, I, now I need to. Now I need to mm. see that. Yes, 1931.
2: i I tell you what's, what feels really egregious about this is K-9. It, it just mm. feels like there's a lot of K-9 shooting stuff mm. for no apparent reason. I mean for 23 other seasons we seem to manage with the fact that the doctor's able to use his wits and you know that if the if the monsters are threatening that somehow they they find a way around it and then for these three seasons it's all ray guns and k9 blasting them mm. and and i mean in fact romana even says at one point what about the mandrels you won't have k9 or a gun and the mm. doctor says i'll just have to use my wits and i think yeah, you know, just like every other story that is doesn't have K-9 <laughs> in it. But, you know, it's, for some reason for these for these um, three and a half seasons it feels like, oh no, he's naked without K-9. Hmm.
1: Good point. I really like the mandrels, so I will brook no criticism of them. I think they're a very good design. Yeah. For me, the mandrels are the essence of what a Doctor Who monster should look like. Hmm. They're hmm. big, they're weird looking, and they're scary if you're seven.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Um, no, I, d- I don't understand the problem with them, except in the direction. But... We've all seen far worse, haven't we? Hmm. If you mm. haven't, you've been watching a different programme. Yeah. <laughs> the thing at the end of Time Lash. Mm. God, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, again, as a direct comparison with the next... Well, I like they're bulky, I like that. A monster should be mm. bulky, it shouldn't mm. look like a man in a suit. Mm. I think when yeah. when people say a man in a suit, when Sydney New and Terry Nation were were agonising over things not looking like men in suits. Mm. Mm. They meant you shouldn't be able to tell it's a human form. There should be no head, arms, and legs. That's mm. pushing, taking it to extremes. There's another level down of Doctor Who monsters where the problem is not so much that they are humanoid in shape, but they literally just look like a man thinly covered in a mm. suit. Like the original Silurians. Yeah. There's yeah. no attempt to make them, their physiognomy seem any different. They're just... Mm. They're yeah, They're wearing clothing painted with reptilian scales. Mm. The next year the Marshmen in full circle are a wonderful design. Those heads are fantastic. Hmm. But because this, the costumes are just human-shaped, they look like men in suits. Hmm. So that's why the mandrels are good. They're hmm. weird. They're freaky. Yes, they've got hmm. flares. Okay, ha-ha. They're Doctor Who disco monsters, like the Mavellans. Hmm. Hilarious. No, but they've stretched the human physiognomy. They tried the same hmm. thing with the Nymon. They're trying. Yes, and they've, if got you're the, seven, they've got the long, stiff not arms. Seven, if you're seven, not 17. Yes. Hmm. They have got big clobbering arms. I was terrified mm. of them. I remember distinctly <laughs> thinking, when suddenly you know, towards the end of the story, the characters are in a corridor with five of these things coming off. Mm. Oh my god! How they could, this is awful! They're going to yeah. be ripped to pieces. How mm. could you possibly get out of that situation? And the answer is, you can't. Mm. They they slightly fudged that in the. Or, um, either they're deadly or they're not. Sometimes or, they're not deadly, mm.
2: or, or you have a dog whistle. Um, mm. I, I yeah. guess also, you know, we we. We excused the dinosaurs, in invasion of the dinosaurs, because why not? It was a good story. Hmm. So if we're going to if we're going to let them off, then the mandels are, are you know ten times better than that.
0: Hmm. I think it's just a matter of the direction choices, and it's it's weird that the first time we see we we see one is coming through that hmm. coming through that bulkhead, because when you, you <laughs> get that you get that brief bit, and it's it's it is somewhat absurd. The way it's leading yeah. through and and daft looking, but then you get stuff in episode two where you have the the stuff where they're lurking in the in the dimensional breach, yeah, kind of thing, where because of all the visual effects and so on, it's very top of the pops, mm. yeah, you know, of that of that era, but yeah. they're very they're very effective in that. That's that's proper freaky, and when they're in yeah. the garden in the jungle on Eden yes. with their with their glow yeah. in the dark eyes. Yeah, you know, and the the glow in the dark eyes are a good, a great elements as well, and they're 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 very effective in that in those kind of situations. I don't understand why they didn't introduce them in that one of those environments, rather than just have one pop out like a jack in the box
1: from a, a hole in a wall of a brightly lit corridor. I you're you are <clears> right, <throat> except I will say that made me jump. I was watching mm-hmm. it when I was half asleep. And so yeah. I wasn't actually... <laughs> even, though I, even though I knew we were coming up to a cliffhanger, mm. when they removed that panel and there it was, okay. it did actually make me jump. So um, I'm, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Mm. And we're up against the perennial problem of the lighting. Yes,
3: yeah.
1: Um, so often this happens. There's quite a few Doctor Who stories where the, a lot of the early sets you see are very brightly lit, and you think, oh, they've died again. Why? Mm. I, I know the problems that people... You know, the, the lighting people don't want to do don't just want to light it straight down because it's too much like hard work for them to change the lights around from Bruce's big night the, the mm. day before, <laughs> and you think yeah okay, but and then they cut to another set where the lighting is very moody. Yes, where they, yeah. it shows that there are no technical barriers to make to lighting it well. So you just think well why do not you make you need the contrast? Yes, I mean in this sort of genre f- fiction. What normally happens is that the spaceship is lovely and clean and pristine and gleaming and brightly lit at the beginning, and then everything starts to fall apart and the lighting is, goes on the fritz, and then you spend the second half of the story in semi-darkness, and that's when the monsters emerge. That's what happens when you're making a film, but for some reason Doctor they never seem to quite get that right. There are sets which are dark, but half the time, you know, when dramatically they've thought it through the corridors Mm. are are bright because they would be that's where the passengers go and Mm. then the doctor and Ryan go off into a a sort of service corridor behind and that's dark Mm. great you've thought Mm. about it but i don't really care about the logic of the spaceship what i want you to do is to use the aesthetics to for the benefit of the story so show me the mandrels in the dark sets Mm. and don't (laughs) but they spend most of their time clumping about those big brightly lit so then it's not frightening to anybody other than a seven-year-old because you're not using the monsters to their best advantage. Very strange, yeah. isn't it? But mm-hmm. I did like the freaky, as you said, the fr- the mandrels in the freaky interstitial void with the Top of the Pops effects was probably the freakiest bit. Mm. Yeah, and they should have made more of that.
3: Mm.
1: It does seem particularly bad here. It's a sort of harbinger of what we're going to get a lot in the 80s. The, the lighting is so bright in those corridors that it, just, it makes them look like I just keep thinking I'm watching Galloping Galaxies rather than Doctor Who, and that's not what you want, is it? Hmm. In a way that it very rarely has felt like before. It's never felt quite this flat, and like a load of flats and TV studio. It's a subtle hmm. thing. You don't need to to miss the mark by much for it to break the, the illusion completely. Hmm. Hey-ho. Hmm.
2: It's a shame that um, Dimon doesn't know how to pronounce the name of his own ship. He, he seems to <laughs> Heckate, uh, does he keep saying yes and but mm. the doctor corrects him in the final episode of course that they're, they're Hecate. Uh, i mean i don't know whether uh maybe dimon should say well no i'm sorry you know in in in, in space land we call it Hecate. Mm. Uh, I, 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 I don't know what this Hecate is that rubbish is
1: is that tom being low-level shady with the actor do you think? Because <laughs> it's clearly not a bit of business they've worked up between them because that no. actor is playing it very straight, so clearly has no sympathy with, mm. with yeah. Tom's approach to the programme. No, I'm on the other Jeffrey and I'm <laughs> taking this seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Bromley is not gonna be able to rip me a new one. He he probably <laughs> okay. he probably brought his own sandwiches while everyone else went to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we thoroughly bottomed this out. I'm delighted. Mm.
0: I was just going to say one other thing, on. one, other, one other moment of satire I wanted to yeah. point out. Or I was trying to figure out, is this meant to be satirical? The bit where David Dacre is cackling away at watching people get attacked by dot two monsters on TV. <laughs> 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 yeah. And he then yeah. says, oh, well, they're only the third-class passengers when he's questioned about when he's when yes. he's challenged about yes. it.
1: That's interesting. That's another very tiny link with the next story a character within it mm. sort of referring to what we're seeing as a mm. what we're seeing as if it was a just a bit of fiction with oh look it's scary monsters killing people mm. but uh i'm getting yeah. ahead of myself
2: only only a little i think that but there, one last thing from me is that there's a there's a brilliant classic bob baker run around in, in part two so, you know, we've we've, we've frequently re- re- referred to the uh, Tyler runaround in um, Three mm. Doctors. In this case, you've got the, the Doctor following the guy who turns out to be Stott, is it? Yes, yeah. But, you know, he they go down the lift, they go around the
3: thing, come back, <laughs> oh, yes. back up yeah. the
2: lift, and in the end, you know, basically one of them's waiting for the other. It, 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 I mean, you know, it, it's, Do- it's Doctor Who. There's twenty-five hmm. minutes to fill. You've got to do something, but it, yes. it does feel like another one of those egregiously long runaround that, two bits.
1: It's the, there's mm. two runarounds. There's the bit. There's the editing to make it seem like there are several flights of stairs that they're going. Through, oh yes, yeah, several yeah, floors. Yeah. And also, they then do it horizontally, laterally, where, by going through the having chased through the passenger land. Yes, the same yes. set. Mm. Yes, move, and... several so times. So that yeah. can't be a coincidence. Somebody is trying to make the ship seem bigger. Yeah, and yeah. it is is that part but two that bit, with the, yeah. that bit with the steps is very yeah. odd uh, production wise because they I'd have thought they'd have just gone to uh, taken a, an OB camera up to a real staircase under you know, a real set of steps to fire escape from studio B yeah. mm. but they seemed—they made of wood because one of them sl- this slips when Tom Baker mm. runs at it too fast They've actually to the trouble of building a very re- a real short section of staircase wow. in the studio. What would the mm. unions
2: say if you actually used, uh, you know, another set of stairs that was already there? I mean, I'm sure it was.
1: <laughs> they did it in. They did it in uh, Magpie every week. You must remember. That. <laughs> <laughs> they used to take you. Do you remember that? They used to take you mm. backstage. Um, I used to love that and wander around oh, the yes. TV studios. Mm. Mm. There was a red mm. line on the floor and it would go around the corridor to show uh, the progress mm-hmm. of the latest appeal. I think I was very young. Mm-hmm. Mm. Part mm. two
0: is exceptionally short, anyway. I mean, that's—I remember I noticed it when I was—I just looked it up because I noticed it when I was watching it on DVD, and it's uh, twenty-two, twenty-two,
2: forty-four. Right, with 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 a long running at the start as well.
0: Yes, so presumably they were. <laughs> so it was, that must have come up either something big got cut or they were desperately trying to pad. So um, mm. so I guess a bit of van around was called for.
1: The Effects aren't bad are they? The spaceships are good and the effect of the mandrel disintegrating is fine is very mm-hmm. good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The ray guns are a bit rubbish, but they often are. they
1: always seem to have been able to do disintegrating monsters quite well. I, the number of times we've seen something disintegrate into dust. Hmm. There's a good one in in Nymon. The next hmm. story. So they are not completely they're maybe running out of money, but they're not running out of invention. Hmm.
3: Hmm.
1: Are we are we ready to move on? Yes, Paul. Well, that's my that's my tribute to. That's your Jeffrey tribute, Daniel. <laughs> right? No, the, no, the other bloke. <laughs> <Jeffrey> <laughs> oh, obviously <laughs> it was him. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was he was a bugger for that. I remember, you know, it, there's a famous episode of Coronation Street when he's um, when he calls his wife Ivy Don, and nobody nobody notices that one either. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Sleep No More, written by Mark Gatiss, director <laughs> well, been a while since again, had one of his. <laughs> director Justin Molotnikov. Okay. No, no, I mean it could be argued that we've gone from one episode where we were talking about a, a Tom Baker and a, a Peter Capaldi to another one where we're doing something similar and 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 with with the modern ones both written by Mark Gatiss i mean it it's 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 absolutely true it can't be denied that that is exactly what has in fact happened and yet in coming up with this pairing i mean it was entirely spontaneous and not Uh, and and driven erroneously I guess in my part because I was thinking well it's it's December it's pantomime season let's find something that's you know that has those kind of production values, but in reality, on watching Nightmare of Eden, I don't think that it does. I, I, I think if you we, we could maybe claim that Horns of Nine One maybe has that a bit more. Mm. Nightmare of Eden is a morality story, so I suppose it has that going for it in in the sort mm. of pantomime tradition, but but yeah, it's not really all that close. And in fact, Sleep No More is even further away from it, so I, I think I was just having I, a bit of, a, of I, an
1: aberration. I didn't, I didn't pick you up on that because I didn't have the energy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm scared and I'm scared of you. But I, <laughs> what on earth what on earth was your memory of sleep no more that made you think it was in any way pantomime esque? It's a lot of things. Yeah. But it's not that, mm. is it? I think it, I think Son. it's
2: I think it's um uh, what's his face? Reece, Reece, Shiersmith. Reece Shiersmith. Shiersmith. I I, 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 <laughs> I think gone, fundamentally straight there, have we? I, I think I think it's nothing more than that. I think I think I think in my memory he was much more of a pantomime villain than he turns out to have been. Mm. Because I'm remembering right. the end of it rather than the start. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, there you go. And then I, I, I came up with an erroneous justification after the fact by saying, "Oh, they both involve drugs, don't they?" But of course, the Morpheus system isn't, isn't actually drug. drug no, no,
1: you had me, me fooled. I
0: believed
3: yeah. you. Well, no, everyone, <laughs> I,
2: I misremembered it completely. I mean, to be honest, though, so, so, I mean, if we're going to get into that, I think they're the sort of the reverse of each other because in in nightmare of eden you get the monsters turning into the drug whereas in mm. this you've got the the thing that is a bit like a drug the 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 means of ridding you of of, of the need for sleep turning into the monster mm. that's so
0: good so, oh, nice. that's, yes.
1: sort of, one is the inverse of the other in, in oh, thank way. god <laughs>
0: you saved the format yeah yeah and they have <laughs> and both also got and big we do I was going to make on.
1: the very prosaic observation that the monsters did, uh, disintegrate into dust in both of them yeah mm. Yeah, indeed. Sand looks more mm. like Spider-Man, 2 What were you going to say, mate?
2: No, no, no. And they're, I mean, they're they're big and lumbering as well. You know, so so essentially, they they, they there's there's some similarities there in in the in those protagonists. It's very gritty, actually. I don't didn't remember. That. <laughs> I I I, <laughs> I I, I mean, you know, naturally, naturally, I've only ever seen it once. I've got a little bit more justification for this one because it's not mm. all that old. It's what about six years? Is it something like that? Six seven years. So yeah, and it feels like, it feels actually to me quite like a um, video game now that I see it. This time I, I didn't really necessarily <laughs> mm-hmm. see uh, see that at the time of, that I watched it. In fact, I, I mean to be honest with you, I watched it once in 2014 or whenever it was, and, and decided that it was dreadful. <laughs> i mean i i mean i I thought it was absolutely appalling, and I watched it this time and I thought I don't know what I was so upset about the first time mm. i mean I i'm not I'm not going to tell you that it's it's poetry, but you know for forty five minutes of modern doctor Who it's I've seen an awful lot worse
1: mm. i I almost always say that I've enjoyed <clears throat> these new Who stories more the second time because whatever it was I didn't get or what it was that put me off the first time was no longer an issue, and I could relax and mm. enjoy its qualities. I didn't really. No, no, I'm not. Build, I'm not building up to a massive comedy undercutting. Um, I, I didn't really. I, I'd forgotten everything about this, so yeah. I had exactly the same raft uh, roller coaster. <clears throat> to use your terminology of emotions mm. as I did the first time, mm. which is that I thought it was mostly dreadful. Then I thought it was going to redeem itself, and then it failed <laughs> to capital. Then it failed to catalyze upon the good bit, and mm. um, and it ended being not to my taste so that's what i will say on quality grounds mm.
2: giles um
0: yeah i remember it's, i i also remember having a fairly bad reaction to it at the time it's it's one of my one of my things that is is one of my perennial whinges of all the things that doctor who should not <laughs> should not should not waste its time doing you know yeah it's it's running around trying to be a pastiche of aliens Mm. yeah yeah it worked it worked once in 1987 or whenever it was when when that when it was actually fresh but but it just kind of makes me roll my eyes anything with grunts you know and various you know yeah running around yeah it just doesn't and tend it, to um
1: if you try to add a satirical edge by calling them by literally calling them grunts oh mm. uh, ho ho yeah it's it's a class commentary on how gr- the grunts of the 20th century become genetically engineered grunts. That's Mm. not. I know that's the sort of thing that science fiction is supposed to be there for. But you need to be a bit more subtle than that, really. Yes. Yeah. But you're you're right. Or you do
0: Starship Troopers and uh, completely un. Well, yeah.
1: I'm torn between whether or not Doctor Who should never ever try to do aliens. I think you might Mm. be right that it fundamentally shouldn't. But if you do, you can't do it in 45 minutes. I Mm. think. I think when Doctor Who has come closer. To pulling off this feel which I think is kind of antithetical to the idea of Doctor Who but it's been when it's been allowed twice as much time as this and that an alien is a very long film mm. um, the the grunts the cast aren't particularly well developed but you get to know them better than you do here mm. uh, Mark Gatiss tries to cheat by bringing us in with a uh, voiceover which explains who gives us a pat. Mm. summary of each of the characters Mm. but there's very little to differentiate them the descriptions don't really seem borne out by the way they speak or act Mm. so it all seems, this one thinks he's the joker of the pack, I don't think he says a single thing that's funny or supposed Mm. to be funny after that so it's (laughs) (laughs) they are really the dullest bunch of characters I think Mm. in pretty much any story I can remember what a waste of Bethany Black yes, yeah oh dear, Mm. baffling Mm.
0: Yeah, I do find th- I do find that off. I mean, Bethany Blatt was happy to to take the part, and so I presume they were, you know, happy happy enough with it. But it feels it feels a bit off to me that the first notable yeah. part for a trans actor in Doctor Who is as a <laughs> is as a genetically modified freak.
2: Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's like Toberman yeah. in, I, in, in Tomb of the Cybermen all over again, isn't it? All yes, yeah. Right? I can't, yeah, I can't yeah.
0: imagine how
1: that happened. Mm. That's all I will say. In, in, <laughs> in this day and age. Mm. Yeah. Also, yeah. does he put some sort of effect on, on her voice? Because I couldn't understand a word she said. Is it just probably, me? It's probably just Murray Gold's music. It was, it, it, it was reminded me of um, Control in Ghostlight. That sort of staccato yeah, right. uh, mm. dialogue yes and and performing in sort of guttural way Mm. just makes it completely unintelligible and Mm. that didn't help uh, with the character itself Mm. with aliens you see the time the reason it needs to be longer is you need to get to know you need to spend time with these people Mm. like i say the the grunts in aliens aren't well characterized Mm. but at least you spend enough time with them to be able notice who it's not that you care about them all individually before they Mm. get murdered one by one you need the time to build up the atmosphere Mm. and the tension so you can't come straight in and start and and it's one thing you can't cheat there are lots Mm. of things that you can cheat in the 45 minute doctor who you can you can cut out episodes two and three (laughs) so so the first half of your story is all is all the exploration and then it cuts straight to resolution you can do that or you can cut a lot of the waffle from a one of your waffly four-part stories that you talked about—you know—you can cut all the TARDIS scenes and have them just arrive, mm. and yeah. skillfully use exposition to explain to cut out, you know, twenty-five minutes of padding. But yeah. you can't create an atmosphere out of nowhere, mm. and you can't—and especially not this sort of atmosphere—you can't create tension from nowhere. Mm. So we're straight into part two, or something—is is that what you are sort of suggesting? I think so. And and when I can't think of any specific examples, because they're not my favourite stories, but when. I don't think New Who has specifically tried to riff on aliens, but they've no. done bases Yeah. The one gritty, that Gritty one... Grim sci fi hmm. futuristic bases under siege and they've yeah. all been to the two part hmm. New Who's format stories. Yeah, the one that I think... to know these people throughout the yes. first episode. And then they it's not yeah. till the second part that they start to we can get a lot of running around mm. and, and that's, that's the structure of these things. That's the arc. Mm. Oh, so it's like a roller coaster. Yeah. In, but, but this is a genuine metaphor, not the way Richard used it. Mm. It's that long, slow pulling up the, mm. the incline. So gradual that it doesn't feel deeply sleep. And you, and then mm. when it lets rip, it's yeah. going downwards at a rate of knots and it feels like it's never going to stop and you're going to be sick. Yeah. The one that I and think does it
0: really well is the, the impossible planet and the Satan pit.
1: Yes. That's, that's just because
0: you've got a because you have a very good yeah you know, a very classy cast mm. in that and it really does spend the time yeah do you get to know them and you've up the tension and I mean it,
1: it's on a scale from with um aliens at one end and things like I don't, <laughs> um the disar- the 70s classic disaster movie at the mm. other end like um raised the titanic or the Terror inferno mm. you know so yeah the is where a, a group of people are Picked mm. off one by one. Yeah, they move in different ways. Mm. One one version is tends to be more where people getting split up and a lot of frantic, hectic action. Mm. And the other one tends to be a slow, steady progression where people mm. somebody drops off a cliff every so often. Mm. But it, I think, it's the th- to do that well, you need the the only thing you need that you can't skip on is time. And if mm. you don't have that, it becomes very formulaic. And then you're into the sort of realms of something like Orphan. What was it called? Orphan 55.
3: Hmm, yes.
1: Where yeah. that had a good stab at it because it did at least make the characters quite distinctive. At least in that one, you mm, can tell them more all than, apart. More than they are here. Yeah. But where it fell down as a, is that the formulaic, contrived like nature <laughs> of, of the second <laughs> half of it. No, no, well, <laughs> there's that, that, that was very specific unique problem and all that <laughs> but the fact that so you just know they're going to get picked off one by one yeah. and mm. if you're into cheesy 80s slasher horror films then that's mm. part of the fun you go in <laughs> to watch um friday the 13th expecting people mm. to be picked off one by one and that's what scream rips uh, riffs on mm. and that's part of the fun yes. you don't think it, it doesn't have to be realistic because that's what you're expecting mm. but here if you want to take it seriously but you know that the reason we've got this size of cast is just so that you can kill off hmm. four-fifths of them. Why should you care about these hmm. people? You feel you're being played with. Your emotions are being toyed with. I don't like using the word contrived because we, all of these stories are contrived to produce hmm. an emotional effect. None of this is really happening. I know that. I'm not hmm. daft. But you're supposed to hide that from the audience. And it's in this type of story where people are split up for no good reason or they make stupid hmm. decisions just so that they can what they can be picked off which is mm. leaves you groaning as an endless roller coaster of groaning inwardly mm. that's what i think
0: just to clarify my i think you've articulated it very well paul I, i've got no great objection in principle to the idea of doctor doing the kind of story where you have a large cast in which pe- in which people are <laughs> picked off one by one until you come down to a um come down to a surviving core i think that's a that's a perfectly valid way of doing Doctor Who, but but as you say, you have to give it the room to breathe. My comment on Dot Who doing Aliens is more is my, is more the superficial one of just the sci-fi grunt type of running around with big guns shooting yeah. at
1: shooting at shooting at monsters and getting picked off one by one. The pinnacle of doing it right, and you're right. I've extended your Aliens comparison mm. far beyond. <laughs> <laughs> the reasonable limits but the, you know Horror Fang Rock is one of my favourite stories yes, and a story yeah. like that where people some people die because they're unlucky and some, but a lot of them die because of their personal de- decisions mm. they make the wrong decisions because yeah. of who they are it's set up very clearly who they are mm. they're given a chance to see the error of their ways to, you know, they come to contact the doctor who shows them how they should behave and they mm. don't they make the wrong decisions and the monster gets them that's it as it should that's Doctor that's Doctor Who Mm-hmm. people randomly being killed is a nihilistic horror film people people running around in the darkness with guns firing and light flashing uh you know mm. is um have they ripped off aliens specifically in the use of the head cameras in inverted commas is are there scenes in aliens when the when the monsters first attack because that's the best thing about aliens you get to know there's quite large cast of grunts and then mm-hmm. aren't about like two-thirds of them killed in one very swift scene, but I think you know, isn't there a lot of cutting between first-person POV shots in mm. Aliens? Is that where this I is think coming so. from specifically? It's so, so specific version it. of that. Mm. It reminds me more of Alien Three, which doesn't have point-of-view mm. head camera footage, but does have a lot of handheld camera running around, which makes you feel sick and you just can't mm. work out what the hell's going on in the gloom.
2: I th- I think I I must be sort of you know either cold hearted or sp- a bit specious or whatever about that. I mean I I found the whole thing very you know it's quite pretty to look at I could, could give a monkeys about any of the characters and, <laughs> you know they they, they got killed mm-hmm. well so what I mean you know I was I'm not really invested in them but you know no. I, th- I I I quite enjoyed the spectacle of it um, I thought there were some interesting concepts in the story that you know sort of were. Quite apart from all the stupid lumbering monsters and shooting, hmm. so yeah, I, I and, and I actually st- it's quite a funny story as well at times. I mean, you know, you got some nice stuff from Capaldi and and um, and Clara at the start and 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 almost poetic in the middle. So, you, you know, I mean, it, it, yes, yes, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything that you said really, but I, I didn't
1: really worry much about that. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. That- You throw me a bit there. (laughs) When you said that you didn't care about any of the characters dying because you didn't have weren't invested in them, it sounded like a criticism to me. But you then sort of somehow turned that round into being something that. uh, Well, it just felt like it wasn't
2: wasn't really all that all that bigger part of the story really. That was just sort of window dressing to to keep somebody watching. I don't know while they actually told it. I didn't.
1: I didn't think it was funny. I didn't. There was there was one was one good line. I did like the poetic bit to which you refer. Uh, Capella's little speech about sleep. Mm. Well, most of which is grid from <laughs> Shakespeare and elsewhere. But well, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's nicely pastiched.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I
1: didn't even like the look of it. Because I'd forgotten forgotten the entire plot, I was going through the same thoughts as I did the first time, which is, this doesn't really look like found footage or genuine yeah, well, there is um, that, point yeah. of view footage. Mm. Something about the way it's done doesn't work for me. Mm. I have no idea what it is. What more can you do? I mean, this—they're they're sticking a cameraman in the place of the actor mm. and moving it in a wobbly way. So that <laughs> on paper it's—that's it's, all you should need. But it just doesn't. It never quite feels. I mm. kept forgetting. There are too many shots which don't feel. I mean, in Peep Show, Jez and Mark mm. are always looking at each other. There's almost always somebody looking into the camera because mm. they're having conversations. Possibly. It's the genre here, because a lot of it's action rather than conversations. There are a lot of shots which don't have people looking into the camera. And mm. for me, I keep forgetting that these are supposed to be point of view shots because it's only occasionally that people are adri- l- reminding you that they're supposed to be, you know, by explicitly looking into the camera. Mm. I'm doing that now, listeners. Yeah. So so it, I just kept forgetting. And uh, so, you know, there are too many shots What's that camera. There are too many shots that seem to be objective and aren't explicitly (laughs) subjective, and there are too many shots where it's not wobbling. Mm. Mm. But do I want it to be wobbling more? Because then it'd be Mm. even less clear. Uh, What I'm saying is, I think that was fundamentally a bad idea as well.
2: (laughs) It feels kind of third person rather than first person at some of the times as well. You can sort of Mm. see the person rather than actually being on their head or whatever. What do you mean? You're not referring to the... So, so, um, um, you know, so, yeah, so third person shooter you can see the person running in front of you as you go around the corner, a whereas first game. person you're, sort of supposed, you're just supposed to see straight ahead because you're in the head mm. of the person and it felt, felt like there was, it was a bit more of the former than the latter.
3: Hmm.
1: I think the camera work felt too stable and careful and considered and not visceral enough hmm. and I think if it been done as a feature film it would have, they would have felt freer to make it more visceral and more Difficult to follow, hmm. which would have been true to the concept, but not necessarily been suitable for Saturday Night BBC One. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah, it's a brave idea.
0: Do they hold off with the guy that get, the guy that's uh, on his own? Do we not get to see him again until they've done the reveal on the about the about the fact there aren't helmet cams? Because mean I I liked, yeah, I, I take your point, but I I've, I found that the most I found that quite an effective rug pull that's well I
1: haven't come, I haven't come that, that bit where
0: yeah
1: that is that bit where she by says, a long way the best idea the best mm. bit in the story and if I you know if I'd been oh dear if I was a script editor or script editor and this synopsis had come in I would have fixated on that idea and said that's good that's brilliant mm. that's is <laughs> wasted here you need to mm. throw everything else away start again from that idea and do it justice mm. is what I would have said
0: well, this is obviously at the end of a very long... Because I, I just looked up Blair, which was 1999. So Doctor Who has been 15 years late to the party in terms of found footage. Mm. Um, and doing wasn't that how
1: this was advertised? I went into it thinking yes. it was be found footage because that's what the mm. Radio Times said. Yes, dumpster, yeah. Which I suppose is why it starts with Brie Shismuth talking to camera. Well, because... you're, meant
0: to, you're meant to believe it's found footage right up until the... yeah right up until the the second and less effective rug pull.
1: I'll try to get straight to the point on this rather than waff, waffling mm. too much. The the reveal that this can't be found footage because they don't have, or don't all have, cameras. Mm. So what we're, what we're seeing, we're assuming, has come from cameras, but it mm. hasn't. Is very clever and quite spooky, and, mm. and the sort of twist, the sort of big game-changing twist that any writer would be proud to have thought of Mm. but it's then cut in my opinion the explanation for why that is happening is confusing unbelievable (sighs) pathetic Mm. it's it's not as interesting when you have a massive twist the explanation for yes having just read so much agatha christie you have to have both sides of it if you can't back up why you've just done this extraordinary thing. Mm. Then you've wasted it, because your audience is going to be ultimately dissatisfied. So the idea... OK, we're not seeing through people's eyes, or or their... Sorry, we're not seeing through people's head cameras. What are we seeing? Hmm. Individual specks of dust floating around are... The, hmm. the creatures have no eyes, because their eyes have evolved into little specks of dust which float around and mean it can see everything anywhere. Well, no, and I think they, they, they've...
0: They have no eyes because their eyes have been hijacked by Vasmussen in order to record the the found footage, or something. But, but
2: oh, it's only the people who've been in Morpheus that hmm. they can, you know, that you can see point view out of. from.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: But at the same time, you're not seeing it out of their eyes. Because, okay. I know, I, I, because I've said earlier, the camera's not on their head. It seems
1: to be behind them mm. somewhere. I'll tell you what I've done wrong here, but I'm not going to blame myself for once. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's another one of those stories with too many ideas and too many twists. We were saying about Robin Sherwood Mm. that it nearly had one more twist which got Mm. cut out and that made it a better story. Now, it's difficult enough to to get your head... For me, right, I'm not a stupid person, am I? I I find it difficult enough to get my head around the ostensible explanation for what Mm. was going on here, which is what I was trying to articulate just now, the, Mm. the Doctor's theory for what it what it is he's watching on this screen mm. when he's plugged tapped into the cctv recording mm. i've found that difficult enough to understand and and then that's undercut at the last minute by a moustache twitching explanation from reese shearsmith mm. that nothing you've seen has been real everything has been oh, 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 oh. orchestrated for his plan mm. and now so many ideas none of which are very clear or compelling that I'd come away with it, not remembering which was supposed to be real and which weren't, because I've barely understood any of them. And I'm, mm. not, I'm getting on a bit now, but I'm not done. I'm not completely ready for the bath chair. It's just, yeah. At every stage of the story, it's but this can't be right. But there's got to be something behind this. But there's something behind this. But there's something behind this. Mm. And when it ends, fra- frankly, with Capaldi saying, "None of this makes any sense," yes, <laughs> scream over and over again. This <laughs> makes no sense. Mm. You, I think Russell T Davis said that you about somebody's script you should never start with the character saying i'm so bored mm. because the <laughs> audience will think yeah mate you <laughs> tell me about it you and me well, both god almighty when a story is this complicated do you really want to have your main character telling you it makes no sense because mm. people like me <laughs> are going to be talking back to the screen saying tell me And about the thing it,
0: and the thing is he says that and yet the, i can't work out what the you know he he comes out with it it appears, yeah. to be a, it, it appears to be a bit like the, um, you know, the famous Martha line about "I'm bringing you back to Earth." Line from, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that it appears to be a, it appears to be a line that's directed at the, at the audience or, rather yeah. than the. Mm. And, and there's no so, there's no real
1: re- reason for him to say that at that point. No, in, exactly. And he doesn't ever. So, am I right in thinking that he doesn't ever get, understand what's happened? He exits the story, with. Um, having Apparently having, so, having yeah. formulated an explanation for what's going on, but hmm. but feeling that that can't be all, that that isn't hmm. all there is to it, but he never finds out the truth. And so then the audience, of, uh, right? Hmm. Okay.
2: What's the thing that that Rasmussen has planted in the video? Then what, what's it going to do to us watching it? I've, I've forgotten already.
0: It's meant to it's meant to rob us of sleep and turn us all into make us pray to but, the. All oh, right, so, so we, we don't we, we don't monsters. need the Morpheus machine.
2: Because no, it's just watching, it's, so it's just the fair.
0: electronic glitch that occasionally crops up on screen at various points. That suddenly what? the screen goes yes, a bit like to, a bit like talking on Google Meet.
1: I'm <laughs> um, happy to believe it does all make sense that you understood it, Charles. No, like your clipboard. No, not <laughs> but but um, I'll be I'll be astonished if more than one person in fifty did. But I just I, think only, I
0: only finished watching it five minutes before we started recording. That's why. It's fresh well, in the memory. So did I, and um, yeah. <laughs> then again, I ironically,
1: haven't had much sleep this week. So maybe I, uh, yeah. maybe okay. I should have put more. Maybe I should have put we, more effort into this. We, we've already established that I had my brain completely disengaged while watching it. So, but can I just say though, I am still confused because, all right, no, well, I, mean, I don't know why I'm trying, bothering trying to get to the bottom of this because I don't actually care. But <laughs> under, the, the only impre- well the, the only thing I. Did think I understood was that we um, share Smith said none of this what you've seen was true. It was all just something I, a theatrical mm. concoction. Yes, it was all the story I was telling. I cr- everything mm. I, you've seen I created just to make this video, make this story to beam to you. Mm. So I thought, oh, so what? The sleep monsters weren't real. They weren't. What wasn't true? You're mm. telling me that that is his plan Who really real? is really is to mm. turn everyone into sleep monsters. So that was real, and uh, they mm. were originally created by the machine. But now it turns out they don't need the machine anymore. Mm. Are we saying the, that the, Ras, Rasmussen is is the creator of Doctor
2: Who? Is he is he in fact sitting in Newman?
1: <laughs> it's going to be spread by some sort of electronic virus. Which mm. what has it become sentient? Was it created as part of the part of the Morpheus process, but has s- escaped into the ether? That. That's another the, idea that is yeah. in itself very very strong, mm. but it's bodged and not explained. The idea of a mm. a virus that lives an electronic virus that mm. can infect you if you... It's not original, but it's very strong. I mean, yes, it's, yeah. It's the of it at in certain places. It's hinted at with The Weeping Angels, and again mm. there it's slightly... <laughs> it doesn't really fit very well with a normal MO. Yeah. There's a very good audio that is based on it, Dead Air, mm. um, by James Goss, narrated by David Tennant, if you haven't mm. heard it. Okay. get it. it's one of the earliest BBC mm. narrated audios, but it's still one of the best. It is presented as found footage, a recording. Yeah, I think the Doctor makes a recording of mm. <laughs> as he's going around. It's based around pirate <clears throat> radio, but basically, right. it turns out that the recording itself is going to mm. infect anyone who's listened to him.
3: Well, this is—it's is, an old mm. in
1: its in its essence, it's an old old idea, like mm. the ghost story that will. The, if you've heard the story, the thing. Mm will be behind you <laughs> as you yes, as you close yes. turn the page or close the book it's, the, it's an inheritor of that old mi james idea mm. but the idea of uh yeah turning this into a did in, into a digital mm. waveform or something
0: well i wonder whether because that's the problem that 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 resolution that as you say again it's a it's a neat little idea but it feels like it comes completely it's disconnected from Everything we've end. been everything we've been told in the rest of the story about It's the climax of a completely
1: different story. Yeah. If you if you're if what you've been aiming for in these forty five minutes is for so, so that a character can turn to the, the children in the audience and say, and anybody who watches this this video of mine mm-hmm. is gonna be is going to turn into a bogeyman and mm. give them nightmares then that's a great idea. But that's not this wasn't the forty five minutes in which to tell that story. Mm.
0: Yes, mm. I wonder whether that. I wonder whether it's possibly after what you said, and then you just um, because Mark Gatiss was there. Was, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of discussion between him and Moffat about a, or possibly even going back to between him and RTD about there being a a, a sound alien based episode at some point. Yeah, that it was was an idea that he wanted to write. Yeah, you know, which would obviously co- you know coincide with that sort of thing. can be transmitted over the ether and so on and uh, so i wonder whether that's whether it yeah whether the electronic version is a a mutation of that i've got this idea stuck in there anyway and um why don't i throw it onto the end as the twist
1: it makes sense because i think i think it does come from ghost stories of which Mm. um gatus is obviously very fond and it is an obvious way to bring it into the 21st century Hmm. the the sound, I can see why Russell wouldn't have let him do a, <laughs> an audio alien because hmm. it's not very visual Big Finish have done it several yeah. times yeah. Yeah. He, very well um, Whispers of Terror by Justin Richards one yes. of their first ever yeah, stories does that gag? so hmm. yeah I, I don't know, I think it's just got too many ideas in there and I don't well, know if it's yeah, Mark I'll, I was Mark just going to say it's himself a bit
2: like think, The um, Nightmare of Eden in that it's a collision of ideas but, but, but perhaps not they... so felicitous yeah. this time.
1: No, I would say they don't all mm. build on each other. They just uh, seem to be jostling with each other mm. for supremacy. I think not... I think that central that central twist
0: of this is a found footage episode. But hang on, there are no cam you know, Yeah, what you think you've been watching is cameras. There Even is no there. Ca- there is no camera. What the hell's going on? Is a is um, a... a great thing in search of a better plot to um. <laughs>
1: Ex- absolutely. To be attached to, really. Uh, uh, you could possibly have got from there to the. You could definitely have linked that with the um the viral. Hmm. I don't know what it quite what it's supposed to be. The viral uh, video stream hmm. idea that we end with. They could yes. definitely have been have been linked. Hmm. I feel like the monsters, which are, w- one of the biggest problems I have with it. Um, I'm not one of those people who think that. Um, that's that's one of Doctor's things, isn't it, monsters. Many writers over the years, over the decades, have tried to write a story that was pure and conceptual. And a producer has said, "No, we need some monsters. (laughs) We need to monster (laughs) it up a bit. Put a magma Hmm. beast, magma beast in there." I don't have a problem with there being monsters in, but these—it is such. Am I alone here? (laughs) It is such an absurd, slightly icky concept. Hmm. When the doctor explained it the first time I watched this, I couldn't quite believe what I was hearing. Mm. (laughs) my memory of it was that it was trying to play Moffat at his own game taking Mm. something every day or uh, commonplace and Mm. making it scary you know he's the man Mm. who could make the cracks in the pavement scary but you can go too far with that and making (laughs) the the shite you have in the corner of your eye (laughs) into a monster
2: well, it's the quantity involved so, uh, and how it how it then manages to evolve into a monster. I mean, it, it, I mean, mm. you mentioned Orphan 55 earlier. It's got it, it, it. You know, it's about as scientifically sound as that.
3: Hmm.
0: Then again, we gave water, we gave water to Mars a Pass for um, for turning hu- you know
1: the, its human gushes, didn't we? I think it's just pathetic. It's mm. so ridiculous. It's so, It just sounds to me like a parody of that that trope. Hmm. Yes. Me. The, what is the most ridiculous substance that you could claim has evolved yeah. into an intelligent, hmm. aggressive monster? It's, yeah,
2: science like, like, shit monsters, right?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's like yeah, yeah, exactly. we didn't go down well, the
0: bogey. We didn't actually go down the bogey route, did we? No, they do true. that
1: in Dog Kevin Smith's Dogma, hmm. but that has, even there, that yes, has of course, shit hmm. it has slightly more um, basis in. What am I saying? It's not based in facts. <laughs> it's, um, it's reference to something biblical, I seem to remember. Mm, yes. But, yes, but yeah, I'm it's like saying, it. saying, it's like a monster being based on the fluff you find, that fluff you find in the bottom of your pockets, Clara. <laughs> Doctor, what is this massive monster that's shaped like a giant ball of socks? Oh, all those socks that go missing. Where do you think they were, Clara? Behind the wardrobe? No, they all... <laughs> they're all coalescing in the corner of your bedroom. Mm. You know what? It it's just it's it's parodic, and it doesn't really. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't know if you thought that it was it would be the ickiness would make it freaky, and that would make it scary. But oh, it doesn't work for me at all. Mm. Earwax, same as earwax. <laughs> <laughs> what's the What's the difference? Would Would you laugh? Yeah. You know, or be scared, or just feel bilious yeah. when presented with an earwax monster? It's, <laughs> it's remember, the, it's ca- the remember Father monster. Jack's earwax candles and Father Ted. <laughs> I mean. Mm.
2: No, don't cry, Clara. You'll make the cry monster. <laughs> mm.
1: That's throw these at me, and I'll sort them. I'll sort them <laughs> in real time. into good and bad. That's a good one. The <laughs> right, tear. Okay. Could, I can imagine. God, imagine, mm. imagine. Uh, Moffat's. This is one that Moffat didn't write, but he should have. He could have done in the parallel universe. He did. It's mm. set up for the first t- half, two thirds of the episode that these monsters are sentient tears, and if you cry. So it's like don't blink. It's like don't oh, cry. Mm, yeah. And you can have a close up on our eyes. We, I've, this is the reason I feel like this. I've seen this. It's because didn't we have the same? Haven't we had close ups on people trying not to blink, but they are the tears. Is, the eyes are mm. glazing over. There. The water. They're starting to become watery. The mm. tear is forming. Don't let that tear fall. It will. It will yeah. turn around and, and do for you. Oh, what a great story. Mm. Who's going to pitch that? You can have that, Richard. <laughs> Oh, because it was yours. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm very generous of you. Very really generous about, of you indeed. Yeah. With a little bow on it. Yeah. Sneeze monster. What else? So yes, it's um, the twist is a very good. I think slightly bungled. There are two sides to it. There's the point at which the Doctor explains it, but there's earlier on. I think there's a moment when you're supposed to realise. I don't know how when we see the first point of view shot from Clara. I feel like it's the Clara point of view shots that are supposed to be the giveaway, is that right? So I know, mm. I don't know how many there have been if they're there right from the start but there's a particular one which was the first one I noticed and the Doctor gives her a funny look at that point which I feel like is a look that the audience is supposed to see and tip them off right. that that was a clue. I could be wrong.
2: <laughs> so there's there's nothing from her point of view until she's been in the machine and then there is one?
1: Is of course, say? I, th- I mm. think it is. Yes, you're right, it's only a few minutes after that and I think it's the first one there's something about the way the cutting in that scene is it's supposed to draw attention to it i don't okay. didn't watch i didn't spot it the first time
2: didn't spot it the second time either. i didn't hmm.
1: but i did tonight and it's the like i said i'd forgotten almost all of it but i spotted that and i think it must have been some ancestral memory of the first time i watched this right um just tapping me on the back of the skull saying did you spot that paul and i liked that that was freaky that that was hmm. almost the sort of moment that would send the make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. So that was good, and I was waiting for the payoff. But then when it came, I'm afraid to say I found it rather confusing. I was was assuming the only oddity that was going to need to be explained was that we could see Clara's point of view. All the others had head cameras, and she didn't. Hmm. But then we're told that none of them have cameras, even though they've all got helmets on, which have looked like they've got cameras in. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And that seemed like a it dilutes the power of the Clara reveal. Yeah. I don't, feel, I, don't I don't feel like it adds to it. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. If it said, look at this footage, there's Soldier A, there's Soldier B, there's Soldier C, and there's Clara. What's the problem? Clara doesn't have a camera. That's hmm. nice and clear. But to yeah. say, none of you have cameras, even though they all look like they've got cameras. And I realise hmm. that that's... Oh, I see, I yes. that's. I realise that's deliberate. <laughs> I, think, I think there are two twists. There are two separate explanations for this twist reveal. And he only needed one Mm. if you take clara Mm. out of it then what you've got is a load of soldiers and we're watching their found footage and the doctor is assuming that what we're seeing is what's coming from their head cameras and then one of them says to him but we don't have cameras Mm. and he says what's that little bit up there And they said that's a a light that's not a camera and then you think oh that's clever
2: Mm.
1: Mm. so you can have that reveal or you can have the clara reveal yeah all these these shots come from cameras this one can't do because it's Clara. But we've got them both. And I think that complicates it. And mm. I was too busy trying to <laughs> get my head around that and to concentrate on the, the rest of the explanation, yeah. as you can tell. Mm. Yeah. It's not the dust. It is it is It is coming. It is what they're seeing through their eyes. Is the explanation supposed to be the same for all the characters? So they didn't have head... We're seeing through Clara's eyes. There's free-floating she... dust particles or, sl- or
0: sleep right. dust particles at any rate because that are floating around as well. I mean, it doesn't and help that the... Yeah, it probably doesn't help that Moffat had already done the Vastra Narada, so, so the idea yeah. of just do, just doing sentient dust was... Um, yeah. So the idea is it's meant to be sleep dust particles that are floating around and in people's eyes.
1: And in people's eyes. Right. And so, they are somehow
0: uh, associated with the... But then there's this gibberish about the fact that the monsters can't see because Rasmussen is using their... Ser- ser- their visual cortex or something Despite in order the fact to that they're e- made of dust anyway. wire the place for CCTV effectively
1: I feel like the, the core of a very mm. strong story here which has been bogged down in layer after layer after layer of explanation mm. yeah in, in another Christi you get reminds the, me something I'd write. Poirot <laughs> comes out with a whole heap of explanations one after the other bang bang mm. bang and you, they're not fighting with each other mm. Th- these explanations for every, every tiny little thing you've seen one after another you just build and you, with, they build up a momentum and you think mm. that's clever I can't believe every, all these strange inexplicable circumstances have such simple explanations here I'm thinking yeah. just pick one the free floating dust explains the POV shots mm. I feel like the writer thinks that explaining away why this found footage is not found footage it's something more sinister will be a more powerful reveal. The more layers he builds on it, which is why we have both the you know the the soldier stroke Clara mix up, and also he throws in these the CCTV overhead yes. shots, doesn't he? Mm. And so we don't. That's bungled because the doctor says his explanation for this, for how, why we can't be watching found footage is there are no cameras here. Mm. Well, except for the, the ones set, that The wrong. sets are, the sets are dark and complicated if if it was obvious that there were mm. no cameras, if they could somehow have made it obvious it, that there were no cameras, then we w- that would be like a a good reveal mm. from a mystery story. We would think, my God, of course there weren't. There were no cameras. Mm. Of course, I should have spotted this. But you can't say there are no cameras when there's no way we could have been sure what we were looking at as set dressing. Mm. So that that should have been struck from the script. I end up thinking, how many of these ideas are here because it... They, they were genuinely considered to be intrinsic to the heart of the story. And how many of them are here because somebody said, well, hang on, we can't have all, you know, how do I know that somebody didn't say we can't have all the shots from people's point of view? I want some overhead independent shots mm. looking down on the whole cast from the corner of the room. And he says, okay, well, I'll write in that there's CCTV and then I'll have to explain that with a, second, a, a separate explanation mm. about free-floating dust. And then the whole thing is starting to become more and more complicated rather than mm. tighter and more compact you know what I mean? Hmm. Ah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm starting to think that, <laughs> you know, maybe
2: we should have had yawn monsters. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, and then the doctor could have said, no, no, don't even yawn. Uh, you know I, 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 I know, I know it's a bit tedious, <laughs> this one, but you mustn't yawn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's only... It may feel longer, but it's only forty-five it, it, minutes. Yeah, hmm. that's not even as long as Paul's explanation of why he didn't like it. <laughs> Can't you? <all? laughs>
2: I think I think the idea yeah. of
1: playing with the grammar of
0: the grammar of how we interpret TV, you know, certain camera shots and things like that is is fun. Like the perennial lurking in the bushes shot from crime dramas and so on, mm. where you stick some foliage in front of the camera and people. are... People immediately assume someone's looking out the bushes at whatever's going on. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. But, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, too many, too many ideas piled up. And and unfortunately, the actual story that's going on through them, you know, underline them all is just a um, fairly by the numbers, uninspiring aliens ripoff.
1: Yeah. You've got some alleged, allegedly high concepts on this fiction ideas, but you've also got a quite pantomime-esque villain, hmm. which... Reese Shearsmith, who I love, doesn't really make any more grounded than it is on paper. Hmm. <laughs> and you've got the silliest idea for a Doctor Who monster ever. Hmm. Really. So... And then you've got Nightmare of Eden. You could take the best of both, couldn't you? Imagine the mandrels um, hmm. wandering around on, on this set with this lighting, hmm. being seen, being hmm. glimpsed through shaky cam, head cam stuff, hmm. and rather, than, rather than bogey monsters. Hmm. They might as well have been bogies, mightn't they? Mm. The kids would have enjoyed that. Kids like playing with bogies, but I don't think kids are really big on <laughs> eye bogies. No. <laughs> In the hierarchy of of bogies, they're a bit small, aren't they? And I think mm. they're kind of hard. Yeah, and they're not. They're not s- very malleable gr- and gr- gritty. Mm. Yeah, they're not. They're not satisfying. But an actual bogey monster, mm. that'll be. Mm. Gators wanted a sequel to this, didn't yeah. he? He I did. Yes.
2: The the sick monster.
0: <gasps> God knows. Does anyone does anyone know? Is there anything actually yeah. on the record about what what was going to happen in in the sequel? I mean, was it was it a direct follow up? Was it meant to meant to be on Triton?
1: Well, I guess that's. What...
2: I felt I felt like I enjoyed the first. You know, I thought like I enjoyed this one. I watched it at the weekend, and now you've you've. You know, <laughs> sorry, I, I, sorry, I, so so I, it's I'm so sort of you know drained by the. Realisation that oh. it's, it's utter Tosh, that I certainly can't be bothered to think about a sequel. I've ruined both of them. Before, <laughs> you know, <haven't> I, tonight? <laughs> No, no. I, I think my eyes were opened a little bit with my nightmare reading as I was watching it. Is there? I mean, is there anything else that we want to talk about other than the? I was just going to say the uh, the other characters or anything. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go on.
0: I was only going to say setting setting wise. Obviously, we've um yeah not content with sort of doing fan footage. It's it's very rooted in nineties cinema because it's also the whole, like, let's do something orbiting Neptune. Yeah, is um, Event Horizon, and it's got some, got some similarities to that, I think, in there as oh, well. Yeah, hmm. sci-fi horror,
1: orbiting Neptune. It's, it briefly got a, a wacky computer, like yes. 2001, and everything that followed. And it, the it's wacky computer, interesting,
0: it? interesting fact, fact fans. The um, wacky computer is voiced by Nikki uh, Nikki Wilson. Yeah, right.
1: Produ- producer well, they're on a tight budget. Mm. <laughs> Possibly. There's another link with Nightmare in Eden. Mm.
2: Mm. <laughs> there's, a bit, there's a bit of anti-capitalism in there, which is sort of anticipating the oxygen, I suppose, from the following mm. series. Not not all that obvious. And
1: And every other story from New <laughs> mm. Who. Yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that bit. Yeah. Because that just comes and goes, doesn't it? Yeah. It's... Because fundamentally, it's, again... <laughs> So stuffed full of ideas and none of them, not individually they don't do anything for me and collectively they don't form to, together to do anything. It just seems like a fairly trite dystopian science fiction satire idea, doesn't it? That sleep is going to be privatised. and hmm. I prefer the anger the Doctor has when, about how stupid humans are to not appreciate something as fundamentally essential and beautiful as sleep and want to try and do without it. That works mm. for me better than the rather laboured explanation mm. that we get in the, um, the the sales pitch video.
2: Okay. What about links? I mean, we we talked about the drug thing being not quite there, but almost there. <laughs> We've got lumbering monsters. Um, <laughs> the the baddie mm. is hidden in plain sight in both of them, and they both wear glasses. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that that's. And they're both the
1: scientists who invented the the machine, the gizmo that's at the heart of the story. Yeah. Hmm. True. So, <laughs> is Rhys Shearsmith's character at any point himself or, or based on his own personality? Or is he just a sort of echo of himself, but completely assumed by the sleep thing? I mean, has he gone mad and decide, genuinely decided this is then the new life form that's going to take over from man- humanity, which is not an original idea? Or is he just one of them in disguise as Rhys Shearsmith? I'd say... One of many, many, many things I neither know nor care <laughs> about.
0: Yeah, well, the re- the reveal so so undercuts anything else that you've seen. Yeah. That you just don't, you just don't know. You would assume that he has been taken over in the course of the story, but then but, the framing device, as it were, suggests that he's been a he's been a sleep monster taking taking his form all along.
1: Is the final sleep monster in the coffin supposed to be bigger and more impressive than the others, because the doctor builds it; it's built up like it's going to be something special. Yes, yeah. a, this is a man that hasn't slept for five years, and you expect to see the king of the sleep monsters, mm. bigger, nastier, possibly with more, looking more like a mutated human. But no, it, to me, mm. it just looked the same as all the others. Yes, I but, agree. Yeah, but then that initial impression is reinforced by Richard's monologue at the end, where he says, "I've told you a, a wonderful fairy story, haven't I?" Ending with a lot of monsters and a big scary. Mon- I saved the biggest, scariest monster for the end. i mm. did you? Mm. So that didn't quite come across in. in well, the is he
0: referring to himself? Da, da, da. Oh, maybe um, I don't. I yeah, don't know. if you want to get mm. mess about it, but um, <sighs> hmm.
2: you've you've got sort of storing one thing in another. I mean, I, I'm sorry, this is a bit, a bit pathetic, but you've got you've you, basically the 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 mantras <laughs> are hidden in the CET thing. Mm. And yep. I suppose in this case you've got the electronic virus hidden in the broadcast, maybe. Mm. Sort of. Okay. Yeah, I can see I can see that's nobody's interested in that anyway, yeah.
0: <laughs> can I just uh, actually give a um give a moment of respect for the resolution of Nightmare of Eden? I do like the way they catch they catch Trist and Dimmond at the end. I think that's oh, a, yes. that's a that's a great funny moment where they just turn yes. it on. They're sitting, they're sitting there, and they go, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and, uh,
1: yeah, so,
0: <laughs> I do like that little uh, moment.
1: Oh yeah, give like me it a genuine,
0: thing. genuine laugh.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is actually genuinely clever mm. about I mean, it's you resolving the. In it's it's an example of resolving the story <laughs> using all the stuff that you've already had during the story, rather than completely yes. completely turning yeah. the story on its end it by complete by saying it's. It's completely different, yeah.
1: It's probably a pithier term for that, but I couldn't think of it either. Mm -hmm. But it's it's example, yeah. Good economical writing, Mm. Mm. rather than introducing some gizmo or a a deus ex machina. Mm. Mm. So is that a deus in
0: machina, maybe? Mm. That's very good. Um, And it's not Chekhov's. It's not really Chekhov's gun because you've got because you've used it. Yeah. Because they've put it right at the heart of the thing, and and it has been used, so it's not just been.
1: It's not Chekhov's just been, um, hmm. hexachromide gas is the the yeah. equivalent.
2: Maybe it's not not Chekhov's gun, it's more <laughs> Scotty's gun or um, Susan's hmm. gun. I don't know.
0: <laughs> so Chekhov's dimensional osmosis damper.
1: Yeah, it's straddling a really weird grey area between having too much techno babble hmm. at Nightmare of Eden and ha- deliberately having. A, too much a uh, long list of amusing technic babble hmm. to amuse the kiddies so that uh, tom and lala can well it gets a good it gets a good gag out of off. the
0: dimensional I... osmosis damper i think it's, you you get a laugh at that <laughs> he
2: doesn't even have a dimensional osmosis damper i'm going to suggest that you know even our most avid listeners are not going to want yes. to listen to <sighs> more than two hours of us talking about these stories so i so i think we should perhaps Probably draw not. something are, of a are line through
1: are we still warming to our theme after several dozen of these episodes or who would have thought we would get an epic like this out of nightmare of eden and sleep no more? <laughs> is it just that the worse the worse they are the more we have to say i because I, I don't think they are i don't think it is as simple as that i like nightmare of eden but i I felt compelled to explain why it was only 82% successful at an extraordinary mm, yeah. length. But um, sorry, everybody. Perhaps when you listen to this, it's only 40 minutes long, and Rich has done a, an extremely heavy-handed work on the edit.
2: I think when you've got a strong view as to why you didn't like it as much as you hoped you would it's more interesting Mm. than having a, you know, either I just don't like any of it, or I love it so much that that's all Mm. I've got to say about it
1: I would like to think we're being constructive, Mm. I think so. One, we may occasionally make um, humorously overstated criticisms Mm. for comic effect, but I think we're being constructive Oh, we're not literally being constructive because there's nothing anybody can do with our comments to make it any better, (laughs) it's all been and gone Mm. but you know, you take my point Mm. Indeed Hi
2: everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, if you have made it by some miracle through to the end of this, then we admire your fortitude, and uh, you know, thank you for your company. And I guess you may be mad enough to, to to listen again sometime when we come up with another one of these.
0: Is this the point where you reveal that the entire recording has been a uh, sinister uh, earworm designed to uh, penetrate our readers' brains and slants? No. Ideas That'll about s- buying, but uh, ideas about buying big finished CDs. Into there. <laughs> yeah, that'd uh, be suitable, suitably, suitably yes, uh,
2: Books about stars.
1: Yeah.
2: And,
0: yeah. And come on, Richard, you must have something to
1: plug. Uh, other, a- Go, other episodes. Before you dissolve into a pile of sand. Other episodes of the same podcast.
0: <laughs> ah,
2: yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't sell anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, it's it's been uh, excellent. Real. It's been excellent talking to you about these two, and as and as you say talking for far for, for, for longer than I imagined <laughs> <laughs> my, my tongue's trying to strangle me I think that's true yeah
0: <laughs> yeah okay bye bye guys and see you again soon
2: indeed Well, to us, in your own time.
0: Oh, good Lord, yes, it's me. I'm, I'm on first. <laughs> now, who's on first?
2: Yeah, oh, yes, here we go.
0: Oh, you spoiled it now. But look, at the time of the collision, your podcast was partially dematerialized. <laughs> Psych! <laughs> So I was too busy thinking about the fact that partially materialised is the same as partially dematerialised. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. What about Doctor Science for you? Yeah, we should but keep that. Not...
2: Just have yeah. to keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm Richard, and we're back for some pre <laughs> back for some pre Christmas fun. Like once, oh, no, no, this is not. <laughs> this is not working in the slightest.